now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Disenfranchised by the modern comics industry, producer Paul Spataro, Dr. Bill Robinson, and Scott H. Gardner now ply the time stream in a never-ending quest to rediscover and reconnect with that unique brand of fun and excitement that can only truly be found in good old-fashioned, randomly selected comic book back issues. Journey with them now. Back. Back to the bins. Hello. Hello, Fred. That's right. You've got me. Hi, it's Paul. How are you? Uh, good, Paul. Nice to speak with you. You too. I, uh, I've been wanting to do this for a long time, and I thought I had asked you quite some time ago, but I don't think I did. I think I was imagining it. <laughs> and yeah, when I, I mean, finally... I, I know I I'm sorry? kind of delayed things, but I don't think it was a long time ago. No, I, I think actually, like I said, I had the idea of, because I've been friends with you on Facebook for quite some time now, and I've always found you to be very affable. So I thought, oh, you know, I, sh I should ask him to come on, and I thought I had done it, but I obviously didn't. <laughs> so I'm glad that I finally had the second thought to do it, uh, and I'm glad that you're available to talk to me. I appreciate it, and I just wanted to thank you for that right up front. Oh, sure, certainly. I don't know. Back in back in the old days, if we go back to like the late seventies, early eighties, did you were you kind of a regular appearing in you know New York Comic Cons? And I don't mean New York Comic Con; I just mean New York area Comic Cons. Yeah, yeah, I think I was. I wouldn't say regular all the time, but I was. I couple, couple of dozen times, probably over that period of time. I think Even it's not it, a couple of dozen, but at least a dozen. It's very possible that you and I have met at some point because uh, I became enamored with your uh, Fantico uh, books pretty early on when I was a teenager, and I used to go to the conventions with my friends frequently. Uh, so if you were out there hawking them, then I probably did meet you at some point. Yeah, yeah, I was probably there. I was at a couple of Fred Greenberger, did some shows, and I was at a couple of the Suling shows. Mm-hmm. I know uh, we were big on the creation conventions back then, and the, uh, you know, the ones that they did in the in the hotels in in Manhattan. Yeah. You know, we'd go like once a month for those. Uh, you know, it's I miss the the good old days of doing that, and I think I reached out to you, I don't know, maybe about two or three years ago to ask you if you were coming to New York Comic Con, and if my memory is correct, you said, yeah, I don't really do that anymore because it's just too damn crowded. Yeah, we went to uh, yeah, I went to one a couple of years ago, right after my. <clears throat> Omnibus book came out probably 2009 or so, and it was so crowded and trying to carry all that stuff in. I just said, oh, I don't know about this anymore. Well, I, I can tell you it has not gotten better as far as the crowds go. <laughs> so, I know. So I, I, I guess I can't hold out too much hope of running into you at one. Uh, are you still are you still in the Long Island area, or have you? Uh, I, for some reason, I thought you were north of the uh, Triborough. Well, that that's you know that's where I grew up on Long Island, but I've been living up uh, slightly upstate. We're, we're near uh, Poughkeepsie right now. Okay. Yeah, that's that's kind of what I thought. Uh, I grew up in Brooklyn, and I'm on Long Island now for like the last two, 22 years. And uh, I, I know when I, I did some looking, it said you grew up in Yapank, but uh, it didn't really kind of say where you currently were. Yep. What part of Long Island are you at now? I'm in East Meadow. Oh, yeah, okay. That's that's Nassau County. Yes, yeah, yeah uh, okay. close close to the Meadowbrook near the Nassau Coliseum. Oh yeah, okay, I got you. So yeah, uh, we were in Suffolk County, so yeah, and I'm, I'm so far I, away. I'm I'm out in Riverhead on a fairly regular basis for work, so I, I'm kind of oh, yeah. I'm used to the whole Long Island area, and I, like I said, I was wondering if you were still around, but uh, I like I said, I was I was under the impression that you were on the other side, that you were north of here. Mm -hmm. I think you had posted something. Uh, sometimes my memory is almost a. a <laughs> it's it's scary. It scares me sometimes. But I seem to remember you posting something. I think when your daughter graduated college or something to that effect, and uh, that's where I got the impression of where you lived. Okay. Yep. It's as as creepy as that may sound. Uh, <laughs> no, that's fine. Everyone else seems to know. You know. Well, 
I want to tell you, uh, first thing I can tell you is, besides your artwork and your uh, your your uh, comic book love in general, uh, one of the things I look forward to every year is getting your uh, humorous birthday message. Oh, yeah, well, that's uh, that's a lot of fun. Uh, yesterday I couldn't get on, uh, well, as you know, I couldn't really get on to the uh, Facebook, so today I had to double... Double birthdays to put up. <laughs> I don't know how you I don't know how you come up with new stuff all the time, but uh, but I tip my hat to you. I, I the secret is I just do one every year, and then I just you know keep using it. You you know what I mean? I yeah. So of, so everybody who you're friends with gets the same one for one year, and then the next year it's a new one. Yeah. All yeah. right, that works. But I do put people's name in the middle because I don't want to I don't want people to think I'm making it too easy on myself. Well, there, there aren't too many creators who personally reach out to all of their Facebook friends like that. So, uh, again, I tip my hat to right. you. I find that to be a, uh, a a charming way to keep contact with your uh, your fan yes. fan group. Thank you. I appreciate that. And I figure it's the least I can do because I really don't get too involved in groups and discussions and stuff like that. But I figure, I, you know, people want to be my Facebook follower. I should do at least give them a happy birthday wish. No, that's and it's appreciated. Uh, now, I first became familiar with you, as I was saying, with the uh, Fanagraphics books. Uh, Fanico. Fanico, excuse me. That's okay. People make that get, get those two confused a lot. Yep. And I, you know, I remember picking them up and just got a big kick out of them. And uh, even even as a teenager, I think I had bought, bought double copies of one, and I treated one as like an adult coloring book. Uh, <laughs> That's not that cool. That's pretty cool. But, the, you know, those, I still, I, in fact, I still have pretty much all of those. Uh, I was not familiar, uh, before that you had done the Comic Buyer's Guide. Uh-huh. That's, I guess, where, yep. you, where you first put your foot in the door? Pretty much, yeah. Okay. I, I guess I should take it back further than that, because, uh, you know, one of the things I know of, of you is, uh, that I appreciate, is that you're a comic lover, much like we are, uh, not just yeah. a creator. Uh, so it's probably good to come step out and say uh, you know where did that develop or how did that develop uh, well just from reading comics uh um started reading when i was like six years old uh, my dad had uh someone at work who had a, a a son who was a couple of years older than i was and he had outgrown his comic books so he gave he had like a whole box of them but he just gave one to my dad bring it home, see if I liked it, and it was a copy of Spooky, the Tough Little Ghost, you know, the comic. <laughs> it was like 1959 or so, and apparently I liked it enough, uh, so I said, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll take more if you got more of these, and he brought home this whole big, you know, box of comic books. They were all kiddie comic books. Um, the, there were no teenage Archie comics in there. There were little Archie comics. There were two superhero comics, a, a Jimmy Olsen and a World's Finest. But the Jimmy Olsen comic had uh, Superman playing marbles on the cover. And that didn't, that didn't catch my fancy. That did not, you know, go over with me. So for a couple of years, you know, all I wanted to read was Spooky and Wendy and Casper, Little Archie, Little Lulu. It wasn't until the kids in my, uh, in second grade, I started seeing the comics that they were bringing into school, sneaking in, because you weren't really supposed to have them there, mainly Superman comics, and, you know, the Bizarro character caught my caught my eye, like, what, what the hell is this stuff? <laughs> crazy. So, I talked my mom into buying me uh, Superman Annual Number 2, which had Bizarro in it, but that was like the first Bizarro story, and I don't know if you ever read it, but it's, he's not acting kind of wacky, and it just kind of like... Uh, Oh, kind of chokes you up with emotion because, you know, he, he's it's it's all very it's kind of a heart tugging story. So I kind of didn't really get any further than that. But then they came out with that story, the night of March thirty first, the great boo boo contest. Uh -huh. And I saw that in class. I said, oh, I got to get me some Superman comics, and I went out and bought the first Superman comic I bought had Superman's origin in it. It was like, wow, what kind of timing is this? <laughs> and shortly after that, a few months later, they came out with Secret Origins number one, gave me all the background I needed, and that was pretty much it until 
a year or so later, I got Fantastic Four number four, and that, that even pushed it further. Oh, yeah, so you were really in on the bottom floor for the Silver Age. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm telling you. I, well, I was a little late for the DC stuff, because Flash and all that stuff was a few years ahead of me. But as far as Marvel goes, I was almost there at the beginning, and that, that was just tremendous. Yeah, that's uh, I, I came in, There's uh, I guess there's probably about seven or eight years between us, so I came in in the early mm-hmm. 70s. Uh, myself and I have a love for the for the Marvel comics and what 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 I have a love for is a lot of the stuff that you ended up parodying. So uh, I think that's yeah. why I had an affinity for your for your work so much. Uh, how did how did you start? Now I know you didn't start out as a uh, caricaturist, parodyist, or however you want to call it. Uh, yep. That you you know you had every intent of being a serious comic artist. That is correct. Yes, sir. And yeah. Um, no, go ahead. Well, I was just going to ask, did, did you pursue any formal training for that? Uh, I went to college for art. At that point, you know, it wasn't anything, uh, I went to Farmingdale, mm. the University of Farmingdale for two years. That was a two-year school. Took advertising, art, and design. I remember Len Wein took that course several years before me, but I remember reading about it in, like, the Swamp Thing letter page or something and thinking, oh, great. I can go, uh, this is where Len Wein went. Of course, he became a writer, not a, an artist. But And then I transferred up to Buffalo for two years, to SUNY Buffalo. And the last uh, year there, you know, I was like, your senior project, do whatever you want. So I decided I'd do a comic strip. And uh, that's where I got some of my stuff together. Would and... you Would you liken your serious art style to any other particular artists as far as you know, who you uh, pattern yourself after or anything like that? Well, yeah, <laughs> I'd say that. If you want to see some bad Neil Adams swipes, just take a look at some of my old nut, uh, notebooks, you know. Mm. But uh, well, it's, a lot of, it's always a lot of Ditko and Kirby coming through, but I tried to draw the faces like Neil Adams, and it didn't really look altogether that close, but that was what I was trying for. Well, I think I could tell you... Uh... Every one of us who had dreams of being a comic book artist, and I certainly fit that category as well. I think we all tried to swipe Neil Adams at one time or another. Yeah, yeah. And um, and that yeah, I really loved loved it stuff at that point. But I realize now I'm, I'm more it's more Kirby and Ditko that you know worked its way into my my mind. So so now I can tell you I had aspirations myself of being a comic artist at one time uh and looking back on it you know many years later i didn't have nearly enough talent and i didn't uh, harness it by getting trained i just kind of self-taught and thought that somehow i was much better than i was uh but at some point i sent a bunch of drawings to marvel comics and to dc comics in hopes of getting some type of a, an apprenticeship uh, and I got back uh, a very encouraging letter from DC telling me I wasn't there yet, but that I should keep working at it because that's how everybody started. And I got a very, very dismissive letter from Marvel Comics saying, uh, yeah, you're not so good. Thank you for sending your stuff to us. Yeah. I'm curious how your path went with that. Well, kind of in, sort of in the opposite way. Um I put together a portfolio, you know, went down to, uh, back, back to my parents' house after get, graduating college, and I took a train into New York City, um, went to DC Comics, and started to show my stuff, and the art director there was Mr. Vince Coletta, mm-hmm. who, one of the few artists that I really did not like, I never liked Vince Coletta's work, and... I don't know. I was kind of stupid in the sense that I was surprised that it was him. But he's, you look at the credit, the uh, indicia, it says Vince Collette, art director. Who else is going to look at it? But anyway, he's looking through the stuff. And yeah, they didn't have those books out now, how to, you know, remember that book that Shooter did, uh, How to Draw for Marvel Comics? This predated that, so I didn't really know what I was doing in the sense that I turned in like full colored material. You didn't really need to do that. He's like, well, what did you color this for? Oh, well, you know, I don't know. <laughs> and he just kind of paid through it, told me what was wrong about it, pulled something off the shelf to show me how to how to do it right uh, that was just lying around. And ultimately, he finished the uh, little... Uh, he told me to look at 
Andrew uh, Brigman's book, I think it was. Yeah. He said to me, "Well, oh, sorry, kid. I don't want to, you know, I, I don't want to, uh, how did he say it again? I don't know. He made the hand gesture. He says, uh, you'll, I don't want to jerk you off, but you're never going to make it in comics. Oh, wow. He said something about those lines, and I went, oh, my God. I'm kind All of surprised right. that he would say that and still take the time to try and show you the right way to do it. Yeah, it was only a few minutes. It was only a few minutes, but uh, I, I don't remember the exact phrase at this point, but he did use the hand gesture. <laughs> and then Julie Schwartz came in, and he said, thanks very much, and I left. And then I took my stuff over to Marvel. No one was looking at the stuff. I was there to look at it, but they said I could leave it, so I left it. And I went back the next day or so. I don't remember how that worked out. And I don't remember who said anything, but it was like no go on that. And, of course, we all know the big uh, irony here is that you know who inked the Fred Hembeck destroys the Marvel Universe, don't you? It was Vince Galletta. Oh, no, I did not realize that. Oh, I realized That's terrific. That. I was like, you know, they, they initially said, oh, we'll get Terry Austin to ink this. I'm going, oh, this is going to be great. Excellent. I love the way he inks my stuff. He's, you know, he did the cover of the Fantastic Four roast. Mm-hmm. Well, they never told him about it because at that point I'd kind of gotten to know Terry, and I called him up one day and I said, hey, How's that going? They said that you're holding the pages back. Because there was a whole big mess with the, when that book came out. So that they never told me about this. I don't have any pages. And then they eventually said, oh, I'm going to give it to some of the old guys. Give it to, the old, to Vince Coletta. I said, oh, if you're going to give it to the old, one of the older fellows, give it to Chick Stone. Give it to anybody <laughs> else. Don't give it to Vince Coletta. Well, we, we've talked many times on this show about, you know, because we, we, our, our uh, mission statement is we review old comics. We t- pick, pick them randomly, give a synopsis of them, and talk about them. And we've done a lot of Vince Coletta inked books. So he's, he's come under our uh, radar quite a bit. And uh, I've found mixed results with his work. Some of it, I think, is terrific looking, and some of it looks uh, especially rushed. Yeah, a lot of it, I see a lot of rust, but you know... I was looking through some, like, the first time I'd ever seen his stuff was those first couple of issues of Daredevil that, we, that Joe Orlando penciled, two, mm-hmm. three, four, yeah. And I, they still look pretty good to me. And there's a couple of uh, Giant Man stories with, by Bob Powell uh, that I thought he inked better than some of the other guys who inked them. So, I mean, he was obviously capable of doing a good job if he took his time, but the problem was, he usually didn't take his time because they needed stuff fast, and he was reliable in that respect. So, you know, I give him a break in a way. Yeah, I mean, that was certainly his reputation in the industry, that when they when they needed yeah. to get something done quick or they were coming up to a deadline, you get it over to Vince Coletta and you get it quickly. Right, exactly. But that was at the cost of him erasing some backgrounds. and uh, it, It's kind of a sin when you compare some of the pencils from Kirby to some of the inks and you see the things that he erased. Yep, yep, I know. Hey, I got some of my pages back, you know, before the book was published, and he had left like, eyeballs out of, you know, my work. That's not going to take too much time to do. He was <laughs> zipping through that son of a gun. So when I, I know from from looking into it a little bit that your uh, your signature style was something you developed in college. Yeah, almost kind of by accident. I had a, a roommate who uh, was who was having a he was an engineer, and he was having a beer blast for, like, the uh, final, you know, at, to celebrate the end of the semester. And he said, can you do, like, a, a, a poster, like a cartoon poster, inviting people to come to it? So, you know, I took a, a ditto master, remember those things, mm-hmm. uh, divided it into six panels, I believe, and, you know, drew something up with, like, a cartoony style, which I'd never really done before. And that was the start of it. And then shortly after that, I left college, and... I wanted to stay in touch with my friends and keep drawing, and that's how I came up with my my own caricature. That was mainly for my high school, not high school, college uh, uh, roommates and friends trying to keep in touch with them back when you had to do that in the mail. Well, see, now for for the fans, it's 40 years and you haven't changed a bit. Yeah, I know. (laughs) (laughs) But but, I actually have, you know, um, I still have hair. You know, which is, I'm not uh, wrong there, but my beard turned white, my, and uh, I've been wearing glasses since my mid-30s, but I never really, tr- when I first did this, I didn't wear glasses, 
and I just figured, oh, trying to draw glasses onto that character is going to look stupid. I'll just leave it. But yeah, I know. I'm I'm like uh, the Dorian Gray of cartoons or something. <laughs> Uh, you know, one of the things I can tell you is when I first started doing the show, and I've been doing it now for, I guess, around six or seven years, when I first joined the show, uh, one of the books that I picked at random was inspired by you, uh, because I picked Brother Power the Geek, number one. Oh, yeah. And I was fully unfamiliar with that character until you brought him to my attention. Uh-huh. And uh, I, 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 like it? I get a big kick out of your fascination with the more obscure characters when you can yeah so i'm oh, I'm, cu- yeah. I'm curious over the years like who, who have been your favorite characters to to read and to parody well let's see to read and to draw it comes out to be spider-man um well i kind of got off on the big brother voodoo kick for for quite a while there mm-hmm. uh, even though he's really not that bad a character he just kind of came and went so fast and and I think I, I, one time I was at a comic convention before I was a year or two before while well, I was still in college but I wasn't in comics and Marv Wolfman and Len Wein were there and uh, they were taking questions from the audience and someone stood up and, and asked um, about the recently uh, um, revealed it hadn't been published yet Superman and Spider-Man com- uh, comic that was coming out. And this this guy said, in all seriousness, well, you know, why did you pick, why did they pick Superman and Spider-Man uh, to do this? And I forget which one, it, who it was, but Len or Marv said, oh, it was either that or the Brother Voodoo, Brother Power the Geek team up. <laughs> that, at that point, I, I started, because of that, Brother Voodoo became associated with Brother Power the Geek, which I always thought was the goofiest thing I'd ever read. And it just that just kind of stuck in my head there. It, it's I've never def- really done a lot of things with Brother Power, but uh, Brother Voodoo, yeah, because well, I had the opportunity of Marvel Age to do that. It's def- definitely one of the more obscure things. I, I just remember you bringing it. Uh, I think you. I think in one of your strips you did something that oh we're not going to show Brother Voodoo anymore, and you, then the other character asked you know well who are you going to focus on, and then the geek came walking out. Uh, okay, yep. I probably did that. I don't remember that, but I don't remember them all, to tell you the truth. Well, you've you, you've been fairly prolific on, on those, so I can imagine they don't all stick with you. Uh, true. So when when did you, if you ever did, uh, when did you make like a conscious decision, okay, I'm going to now focus on the parody and, and not go with the you know serious artwork? Well, you know, I came back from the Vince Coletta interview. And I was, I was kind of bummed out, but I wasn't going to let it, you know, stop me. And I was going to get together a whole second portfolio. You know, that was my plan. And in the meantime, like I said, I wanted to keep drawing. So I did a lot of, wrote a lot of letters in cartoony form to my friends. And, you know, um, kind of unconsciously started developing the style. And then one day I decided I'd, I'd send in something to the Comics Buyer's Guide. Now, a year or so earlier, I had done a cover, but it was a straight cover, and they had published it, but nothing since then. And that's when I decided, well, why don't I do, do like a little comic strip with my, my Fred character, which I'd been using on all these letters to my roommates, interviewing Spider-Man. And I did that, nine panels, just some jokes, some pictures, whatever. Sent it in. Next thing I know, they go, oh, this is great. Can you do more of these? And I'm going, well, yeah, okay. And I, I put my, my address in the bottom of the page. And all of a sudden, I started getting all these, this mail, and people were liking it. And I'm thinking, hey, you know, maybe I should be doing this. So I never really did get very far in that second portfolio. So I kind of almost almost fell into it by accident, if that makes any sense. Oh, absolutely, it does. Uh, then, then, I guess, after how long were you doing Comic Buyer's Guide before like Marvel and DC started to notice you? And it seems that Marvel noticed you first. No, I would, I would, well, yes and no. I'll tell you why I say yes and no. Um, first thing I ever had published was a, a, a letter, an illustrated letter that I sent to Iron Man, Bill Mantlo. I had been writing back and forth. I had been writing in letters, you know, uh, that got published. I probably had about 20, 25 letters published in the uh, early 70s. And I sent in a couple of letters that were in cartoon form. And Bill Mantlo said, oh, I love this thing you sent in, but it's, 
you know, it's, you did it in different colors. Can you do it over in, in, in black and white? And I said, yeah, and we'll even pay you. I said, okay, sure, $35, I'll take it. Um, I even made a photocopy of that check in case I, was, in case I never, you know, got in comics again. Mm-hmm. So, just in case, you never know. So, they published that letter, 110, 112, I think I'd remember the number by now, but it was something like that. And uh, that was the first thing I had published. But then shortly after that, the people at D.C., Bob Rosakis, Mike Gold, and I, uh, I, Anthony Tolan, they, they contacted me to do that little comic strip that was in the Daily Planet. Right, right. Remember those, those little jokes? So, so that, that, uh, that went on for a couple of years until they phased out the whole Daily Planet. And it was kind of after that that Marvel Age kind of, you know, took, scooped me up, and then I did the Fantastic Four Rose and the Spectacular Spider-Man and stuff like that. And the uh, Fred Hembeck destroys the Marvel Universe. Or was it destroys or kills? I don't remember. It was cells. It was destroyed. <laughs> they're, 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 all, they're all blending together. I apologize. Yeah. I, I hear they're doing a lot of those these days. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I, I, as, I, as I mentioned earlier, I first started to get uh, – uh, become a fan with the uh, Fantico comics that were coming out. The uh, I guess they were probably about two or three dollars at the time. Yeah, and they um, were yeah. you know oversized, magazine sized, and you know thin, but you know meaty enough that I was very happy with what I'd get for my money. Uh, and and I would pick them up at at the comic cons because they were not available in the newsstand. Uh, but I, I enjoyed those greatly. And how did how did that all come about? Well, uh, you know, a lot of those. Well, the first one anyway. First, well, there were seven of those, and about half of them were uh, reprints of stuff from the buyer's guide, and the others were like all new, and some were half new. The first one I actually did was done by Eclipse. You remember the uh, company Eclipse that was yes. kind of big in the early eighties? Yes. They. I don't know what they did. They did a whole bunch of stuff. But my book was the second thing they ever did. Um, a comp, uh, that was because the publisher had a friend who suggested that we collect my material from the buyer's guide, the comics buyer's guide. Um, and that's how that came about. But they were really slow in getting the second one out. And uh, I was living up near Albany, New York. And that's where Fantico was situated. And I would go there to, you know, every week to get my comics and these guys were thinking about getting into publishing and they'd heard me like grousing about not getting the second one out which was called Hembeck 1980 and it was almost 1980 at the time when it hasn't hadn't been published you know I mean right. I was based on the movie Frankenstein 1970 okay yes for some reason I thought oh I'll just do Hembeck 1980 because 1980 seems like so far away this is like <laughs> Early 1979. I, 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 was, I vaguely remember that one. That was the black and white cover with the very colorful characters on it. Yep. So, Fandico took it over, and uh, I did the next couple of books from them. So, yeah, that's how that more or less came about. Did you do much uh, in the way of uh, pimping the work at, at conventions and stuff? I know I started to ask you about that earlier. Doing what at conventions, pardon me? <laughs> pimping the work. Just, you know, going out to promote it. Oh, pimping the work. Pimping the work. Of course. Yes, yes, yes. Uh-huh. Yep. Yeah, bring the books and bring in, you know, pre-done drawings and stuff. And Oh, yeah. So the now, only now, thing I've never done, I still won't do it, is uh, make up um, prints. Because I figure, well, these aren't really my characters, so I shouldn't really be mass-producing stuff. But I figure if I do original pieces, yeah, that's kind of different. So, you know, we all have our ways of thinking about this stuff. Well, I know I was very happy a few years back uh, when you started to sell some of your your sketches on eBay, and you had promoted it on Facebook, and I went on to eBay, and I bid, and uh, actually, I think I got a very, very fair price, and I bought from you a uh, print of, not a print, a inked drawing of uh, Superman and Spider-Man together. Oh, okay. And I have that uh, I have that in a frame hanging in my office. Oh, uh, that's neat. Yes. That's it, cool. it, that's great. It gets a lot of compliments, actually. Uh, oh, I can do that again, because that's a good pairing. 
Yeah, it, it really is. It, it's it, What it comes down to is that was the first time I saw that you were promoting selling stuff on eBay. And mm-hmm. I went on and I saw that one. And if you had said to me, pick two characters to draw, that's exactly what I would have had you do. Okay. So I managed to, to, to you know, without ever actually commissioning it, I got exactly what I would have commissioned from you. See, those things work out sometimes. And I think uh, yeah. what, I, what I'm going to do is when I, when I post this uh, discussion on, on the podcast on the Facebook page, I'll put a, uh, uh, you know, I'll post a, a copy of that picture as well because I think it's really well done. Uh, yeah, you've, Thank you. Out of curiosity, is it a black and white one or a color one? Black and white. Oh, that, yeah, that goes back a ways. I yeah, I, I think it was when you first started to use the Internet to sell yeah. things. I was always that if I colored my artwork... I would make a mistake and it screw up the whole thing. Well, I got past that, but it took a while. <laughs> I, I did consider, uh, you know, s- taking the scan and printing it and then coloring it myself, um, uh-huh. al- almost a throwback to <laughs> the old books that I used to get from you. Uh, but I've just never gotten around to that, and I don't want to. I definitely don't want to take it out of the frame. I'm ha- very happy with it where it is. Yeah, I know what you mean. But, uh, Frames once they're in, they're in there for life. Yeah, and it's. Like I said, I, it's got to be. I got to say, it's it's got to be at least ten years ago. I think that I bought that from you. Yeah, yeah, because I've been doing color for almost that amount of time now. Yep. So, and as I said, it gets many compliments. So uh, it was it was it was money well spent. Put it that way. Good, good. Uh, so, have you been doing a lot in the way of commissions? Um, yeah, I still have a, a list of commissions. These days, I, I do more on, on the cards. Do more cards than I, I uh, than other kinds of stuff. For for quite a while, I used to do the cover redos. You've probably seen those, where mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, and they were fun to do. But I'm kind of tired to do, of doing them now, and they they take up a lot of time. It, it's kind of more fun, creative to just do you know brand new drawing, brand new uh, scenario or something. Yeah, well, the, especially if what you said earlier is is the case, and you don't want to do the same thing over and over again, then doing cover reproductions, especially if people are commissioning, you know, the most famous covers, it probably does get very repetitive after a while. Yeah, yeah, I've had uh, quite a few. Um, you know, that X Men cover with uh, Wolverine and Kitty Pryde in the front of the the wanted poster of all the X Men. Yes, Days of Future Past. Yeah, that one. Done that one quite a few times. Yeah, I would yep. imagine. I would imagine that Action Comics number one, Amazing Fantasy fifteen. You know, the the most famous covers. I would imagine you get frequent requests for. Yep, X Men number one, Avengers four. Yep, those two aren't too tough to do though. So you know, the cover I hate to do. You know, the one I really don't like to do is the Justice League because that's a really tough logo to mess around with. Sometimes it's not the drawing that drives me crazy; it's doing the logos. Yeah, how, how do you how do you do the logo? You sit and, and recreate it all by yeah, hand. Just, yeah, just do it the best I can. You know, wow. I mean, well, that was back when I was doing, um, you know, the ten by fifteen. That's the only way I could do them. But I must admit that in recent years, when I've been doing some of the covers in color, um, I do the covers in color, same size as the actual co- comic. And by doing that, I can kind of trace off the logo. Maybe not exactly, but, you know, so I don't have to really, like, fight to figure out the proportions. Just, it's a lot easier, let's put it that way. Right, I can, I can imagine. And I can imagine that's a very tedious part of the process. It is, it is. You know, there are certain logos I love, like Strange Tales. That doesn't even have, that doesn't even have straight lines, if you can remember that one. Oh, yeah, okay, um, yes. Yeah. On the other hand... When Marvel got to the point with like Strange Tales featuring Doctor Strange and Nick Fury, Agent of the Shield, that makes me want to jump out of a window, you know? <laughs> Trying to put all that up on the top. Um, I, I actually have a page open on a on a Google search of uh, I just put in your name, and uh, oh. I, and I'm doing you know I did an image search and I'm seeing a lot of different covers that you parodied over the over the years and uh, and and I'm looking and the logos do seem to be somewhat daunting. Yeah. Yeah, Avengers is also a pretty easy one, but uh, and Fantastic Four. I didn't even mind Spider-Man. I like drawing the webs, but Justice League that one makes me. Uh, that's what that one I don't like. Okay, well if I do commission one, it won't be a Justice League one. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not as cheap as they used to be. I kind of raised the price on covers. It's like, I don't really want to do this. They'll pay me a lot of money. But I'll do a card real cheap for you, buddy. Not you, buddy, but you know I'm talking to. I, I uh, you know, I, I, I was talking to, to Jimmy Palmiotti one time, and he was talking about how doing uh, commissions that a lot of people try to negotiate. And he found uh-huh. he found that a little bothersome. That you know, it's like oh. this is what I do for a living, and this is what I charge for it. And if you don't want it, that's okay. We'll walk away, gentlemen, and no problem. But this is what I charge for it. <laughs> I'm not I'm not looking to haggle. And I'm curious, uh, you know, how how you've been, uh, you know, as far as people contacting you and what they look to get from you, and you know how you deal with it. Oh, um, I would say that I've had. Almost no problems with that. Um, For one thing, my prices have always been fairly low, although they've been going up in recent years. Um, I know, just because, you know, because you've got to raise your prices eventually. Uh, So, no, I had one guy who drove me crazy, absolutely nuts. But uh, (laughs) I could spend an hour talking about that guy. Um, But otherwise, and that was for cards. And... uh, but no, I haven't really had to haggle with people. They just give them, give them the price, and they go either they go, yeah, okay, or maybe somewhere down the line, or I don't hear from them again. So it all works out. So how how active are you with, currently with you know active companies and creators and and all? Well, you know, I'm always here when people want to um, get me to do something. I don't know if you noticed, but I recently, for the first time in a while, had a uh, had a strip in a Marvel comic, the Fantastic Four wedding special. They got me to do a little three-pager in the back of that. And I, I've been getting um, requests over the last couple of years to do a lot of the, lot of, not a lot, but a fair amount of variant covers. Did one for Acclaim, um, some other companies. A couple of years ago, I did 10 of them for Marvel, and that was fun. Hmm. But, uh, yeah, not doing too many strips now you mentioned earlier that you know terry austin was a pleasure to work with and frankly I, i'm not ever looking to have anybody bad mouth so what I'll, instead of asking you about the people who were hard huh. to work with i'm going to ask you who else was pleasant to work with who else you enjoyed and found it to be a good experience um well i always like my favorite editor was always and still is jim salakrup he was my editor for quite a while on Marvel Age, and then when he went over to Tops, I did a, 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 some work for them, and I even did some work for Jim when he was working for Stanley Media, back when that was um, a website back in like 2000 or yeah, it was around 2000. And I've seen Jim at conventions, and we would hang out and stuff. So Jim, Jim's great. Always like Jim. Um, and beyond that, you know, most of my stuff is like my stuff. I right. mean, I don't usually work with ed- writers or um, anchors and stuff. But every so often I have, and I uh, have never had any real problems. I remember Joel Bello did some nice thinking on my Spider-Ham stories. Uh, and, oh, um, I did one Archie story, Archie Super Teens once. That was, uh, that was a story I... I wrote, and uh, that was penciled by Brett Blevins and inked by Terry Austin. That came out really good. They did a great job on that. And, of course, that the What Does story I did um, for Marvel about Nick Fury that I did the writing for that John Severin inked. I mean, not inked. He penciled and inked. That was was tremendous. Hmm. So, yeah, there's really not many. If you wanted to know who I don't, I really don't have anything bad to say about anybody I work with. So, well, I'm, I'm I, happy to hear that, actually. I might have some bad things to say about people I didn't work with, but that's a whole <laughs> other story. And it's not really that bad. You, you what are you going to do? You did eventually get to draw in a serious style. Uh, I, I'm trying to think of what was it, like two occasions? Uh, well, maybe, but I, I, the one maybe you're thinking of is a Brother Voodoo story that was in something Marvel put out like these, uh, this uh, 80 page type Marvel, I think it was called Marvel superheroes. And 
they're all like a bunch of eight-page stories of different characters. Uh-huh. And the writer of the story, Scott Lobdell, who has gone on to big and famous things in comics, but at that point was just trying to get work, you know, saw me one day, I don't remember how we met each other, and he said, well, you know, why don't you draw this story, and we can, I'll get them to, you know, have you draw it, and it'll be like, Brother Voodoo, it'll be like a kind of a, I don't know, just kind of a stunt. But the problem with that was um, they gave it to one of the artists from the Philippines, and they tend to, like, redraw everything, you know? I mean, they just bury your style. And if you saw my pencils compared to the inks, you go, yeah, that kind of looks like what you drew, but not really. On the other hand, it probably looked better than what I did, so I can't really complain, except it didn't quite, didn't quite you know, push it over the top in the sense that I finally got my shot at that. But that's okay. So I, I wanted to go back a little bit to your love of comics, which we share. Uh, yep. do, you, do you read current things? I do not. I do not. Um, well, we share that too then. Okay. You know, up until about 19, well, um, I was really pretty good about everything up to the, from like 1961 to like the mid 80s. Then it started to slow down a little bit. Then uh, 1990 came along and my daughter was born. And strangely enough, I kind of uh, had other things to deal with. And also I thought that decade Marvel was kind of crappy. Um, I used to get free comics. This was something that I uh, was so thrilled with. After I started doing those strips in DC Comics, they, I, I remember telling Bob Rosakis, I went down to the newsstand and I was looking through them and there was a, our Army at War. I don't usually buy that, but my strip was in it. There's, oh, we'll put you on the comp list. So from about mid-70s to about 1990 or so, getting free comics from DC, also getting them from Marvel. And uh, they just keep piling in. But in the early 90s, it seemed like all the Marvel comics were being written by different editors. Okay, each editor was hiring the other editors. And I didn't think they were writing very, didn't really like them that much. But I kept struggling through. And then eventually they cut off my comics. And then I, had to, I found out I had to buy them. <laughs> and I realized I had gone up a whole lot. Oh, yeah. I mean, I was, I was still ordering through a, you know, a service, which gave me 30% off, but still. And I kept going, but somewhere around 2000, 2000, early 2000s, I kind of went, yeah, I can't keep up with this stuff anymore. So now I just kind of buy um, stuff like uh, Alter Ego magazine or some of these, you know, exciting, not exciting, uh, these deluxe reprint books. Right. You know? Yeah, that's, I mean. I, I just going to say, I was very excited the other day. Um, when I saw, because I go through the previews magazine and order the stuff, that Marvel is finally putting out a book I've always wanted to see my whole life, and that is a big, giant collection. There's actually going to be two volumes of all the Stan Lee, Steve Ditko stories. You know, all those little five-pagers in the back of uh, Strange Tales and stuff? Right, right, right. I love oh, those. Yeah, those those were usually fun. I mean, it was Stan Lee channeling Rod Serling, effectively. Yeah, exactly. Those, you know... I remember those better than most of the Human Torch and Thor stories from the, like 1961, well, 62, 63, when I was buying those off the stands. Yeah, well, I, think, yeah I think our uh, sweet spot in comics is very, very similar because I'm basically from the, you know, from the early 60s, although I was, you know, not buying them back then. Uh, right. And I got to the mid-80s when I graduated college, and then I thought, okay, I'm too old for this. I have to stop. And uh, then, then somewhere in the 90s, I got pulled back in. But now what I do is when I hear about a run that's particularly good, then I'll seek it out after the fact in a reprint or whatever. I don't generally buy off the stands or pre-order from previews or anything at this point. Right. And plus, a lot of things these days are like in, in paperback collections. So you don't have to buy all seven issues of something and get the whole story in one paperback. Is there anything at all that you're reading now uh, on a regular basis? No. I mean, of new stuff, no. Mm -hmm. can't say. It, funny, well, you know, a few years ago, I, I was buying some of these comics with blank covers, you know, so I could do drawings on them to sell. Right. Um, so I bought a, it was 
a Wolverine. It was Wolverine number one, and it was it was drawn by Alan Davis, who you know, kind of an old older style, uh, older style meaning like the '90s, not like the latest stuff. And I always liked his stuff. And I read the, I actually read it. I forget who the writer was, but the thing took me like five minutes to read. <laughs> and story wise, seemed like if you were watching a TV show, this would have been the first five minutes before the opening commercial. You know, to set you up to see what's going to happen. And I'm going, wow, you pay $4 and you get like this? So, I don't know. I don't know how they do it these days. You sound like the hosts on this show. <laughs> <laughs> we, we've, we've had that conversation so many times. And I'm going to be very, very bold and ask you a question. Uh, our our, uh, our mission statement is we pick books. Uh, we usually do it at least 10 years old. Uh, I generally find myself going back to the 60s, 70s, and 80s almost exclusively. Would you ever be interested in coming on and doing a show in our format where you pick a book and we do give a synopsis and discuss it? Um, I, I know mean, I'm putting I you on the spot, and if you don't want to, it's okay. No, 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 no. Just say that. When you say come on the show, I don't have to go sit in the – I don't have to drive down and sit in the, the living room with you. No, no, right? no. We, we would do it on the phone like we're doing now. No, I'm just kidding, of course. I'm not that I would – not that I, I object to that, but I'm just kidding. That, that first thought – when you said that, I said, oh, we're going down, they're going to be sitting in the uh, rumpus room there. Oh, you'd be um, more than welcome to come by, but I can't imagine that you'd want to drive to Long Island. Will there be snacks? If you come by, sure. Oh, okay, I'm just, I'm, I'm goofing now. I know you. you. Okay. Um, no, that sounds like fun. So, wait, I picked the comic, you picked the, how's that working then? Well, what we do <laughs> is, there's, gen, there's usually three of us to do the show, but, you know, sometimes right. one of us can't make it, whatever, sometimes two people can't make it, and I look for a guest star, uh, which is what I'm talking about. Uh, and you, we each pick a book at random, we let each other know, this is the book I'm going to cover, so that you have a chance okay. to read it beforehand, and then uh, when we when we get on, we each give a synopsis of the book. And then we discuss it. You know, I like the artwork here. I didn't like the artwork here. I thought the story was strong here. I thought this was illogical. I thought this was out of character. I thought this was wonderful. You know, whatever. And then we rate the books. Yeah, yeah. No, that sounds like, that sounds like fun, actually. And, you and, know, I could go for that. I'm going I'm to... Uh, well, put it this way. You have an open invitation anytime you like. Uh, yeah. But, but if, if, you don't, if you don't come to me and say, hey, I feel like doing it, I'll reach out to you in the next couple of months and I'll, I'll see uh, when you're available because I would love to have you on to yeah. do that. Yeah, no, that sounds like an interesting thing to, to, to give it a go. Yeah. And, and I, I would, you know, I would be very interested in your perspective on, on some of these books as well because I think you might have a, a slightly different look at it than, than we do. Although, as I said, I think we come from similar a similar place as far as how we view these books and just, you know, the love of them and all. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Oh, and, and you know, you, you asked me if I, um, if I read the comics, I say no, but my, I forgot my stock answer is I don't need to read the comics. They're on TV all the time. That is true. What do you think of what do you think of the TV shows? Let's let's break it down to. I'll make this three categories. First one, I would say the uh, network TV shows that are on now. Um, well, you know, I've I've never watched Gotham. Uh, I haven't watched the one that's on Fox. It's like an X Men uh, type thing, and I haven't watched Shield and Humans or uh, the Agent Carter. But I've seen all the CW shows, although I didn't start watching Arrow until after uh, a year's worth of uh, Flash. And I, once I brought in Wild Dog, I had to start watching it. Right. So, yeah, I like and, and Riverdale also, because like, I'm an Archie fan, although God help me, that's hardly anything like the Archie comics I ever read. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I watch all those. And, oh, I was watching, I like them all. My favorite is is Legends, because it's, it's it's wacky. It's yeah, they're, they're willing to get silly on that one, which is nice. Yeah, the other ones get a little too serious and too... But I do, I do like them all, and uh, very, Flash would be my second choice. Um, I was watching Legion. That's on... But I'm, I'm not going to be able to see the third season because we changed our uh, internet, our, our cable provider, and that channel went away, which is too bad. I wanted to see how that ends. Um, oh, I like Preacher. I really like Preacher. That's one of the few Vertigo comics I really liked. I like the TV show. 
I watch Cloak and Dagger on, and that's another show we're not going to get this year because of the switchover. But I thought that was actually pretty good. Um, I watched Krypton, and that looks good, but that's probably my least favorite. We still get that one, unfortunately. I'd rather have the other two. The problem with that one is I know how it's going to end. I don't know how you got. I mean, do you watch Krypton? I, I, you know, I watched the first episode and then somehow I got pulled out of it and never got back to it. it wasn't that I disliked it? I just never, it, I never got hooked. I know what you mean, and uh, there's only like eight or ten episodes, so it wasn't too much time. But you know, they had Adam Strange on it and stuff, and it was, it was, it was good. But it, the whole point is that the hero is going to try to stop them from blowing up Krypton, but you can't do that. So I don't know where the story's going to go. They've they've had some similar things. Uh, you know, I watched Smallville, and as you're watching that, I don't know if you watched that one, but as you're watching you know, it, I watched, yeah, no, I never did finish that. I meant to though. But you're 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 constantly hoping throughout it that Lex Luthor will be redeemed because uh, he yeah. he wasn't entirely unlikable on the show, and right, you know it's that. inevitable that he's going to become evil. Right. Right. I know what you mean. It's like, oh, why, why is it, you know, can't they change it? Yeah. So the, the, there is an element of frustration to that uh, that I, I could definitely see. Uh, a lot of those shows that, that are on the CW, I enjoyed for a while, and then they seem to become a little too formulaic for me, where they seem to get repetitive. I know, I, I agree with you there. And that's, I, I still watch them, but, it's, you know, I was really excited initially. And now, except for Legends, I don't get that excited about the shows when they come on. I get excited about the crossover I, every year. Yeah, the crossover. That's that's next year's Crisis. Oh, my gosh. Now, yeah, have, have you watched any of the Netflix shows? Yes, I have. Um, I've been watching them in, in the order in which they were uh, broadcast. So I'm I'm currently at the be- just starting off um, The Punisher. So I've seen the first season of all the rest except two seasons of Daredevil. And I like them all. I actually like them um, probably better uh, than all the, than the CW ones except for the Legends. I think the, you know, I even liked Iron Fist. I, I, crazy. Did, I did too. And we're in almost exactly the same place that I'm actually uh, four episodes into the first season of Punisher. And I've watched them in order, but I did cheat and watch season three of Daredevil. Ah, uh, yeah, I wanna. <laughs> yeah, my, I was least interested in watching The Punisher. That kind of stalled me out, but I probably should jump on it. But I, I actually, when you get to it, I think the season three of Daredevil was the best one of the bunch so far. Did you know that that guy's British? Who the, the, the guy, guy who plays Matt Murdock? Yeah. No, I did not. This, but there's so I many mean, actors like that now. It's it's crazy. The, the, I was flipping by. It was late at night and. I happen to be flipping by a talk show, and there's I go, I know that guy, and he's talking in a British accent. I said, Oh my God, that's Daredevil. I mean, the uh, the guy who plays Preacher and his girlfriend, they're both British. Uh, the guy who plays uh, uh, Heatwave, he's British. I'm, it's amazing that what they it, it is amazing they, how they can hide those accents. Yeah, I mean, they had me all. They had all me. They had me convinced. Believe me, if I went I over had, to England and they asked me to adopt an English accent and fool anybody, I wouldn't fool anyone. <laughs> You, you could do the uh, the Dick Van Dyke chimney exactly, or, or the Kevin Costner from uh, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Yeah, yeah. But, but uh, yeah, I do like those. I I, you can, I can't buy every service there is. I wish I could, but I'm kind of curious. I hear this Doom Patrol show is pretty good. Yeah, it looks to be good, and I I think I'm going to have to wait until it's available on some other form of mass media, like when they come out on DVD or something. Yep, same with me. I'd like to see that. Do Do you uh, get to the movies to to see the uh, big screen productions? Um, uh, I do, but I'm, I'm currently behind. Uh, I had the net. You know, we, we about a year or so ago, we finally broke down and got a large TV inside of one of those old, you know, old fashioned TVs. Makes a big so, difference. Oh, it sure does. So, one night, well, not one night. Soon I, I, I want to sit down and watch Black Panther, the next day The Avengers, and the next day Ant-Man and the Wasp, because those are the ones I haven't seen yet. I haven't seen Justice League either, but I'm, I like the Marvel movies, strangely enough, better than the DC movies. 
Oh, I, I'm I'm with you on that one as well. Uh, I I just think there's they're of a higher quality. Uh, although I did like Aquaman, and I liked Wonder Woman. Yeah, I haven't Woman. seen that either. But if once it comes on, you know, uh, the Verizon Files, I'll probably you know rent it on the TV and watch it. So yeah. Okay, actually, I think uh, you know I'm not looking to spend your money for you, but I think Aquaman is now available on FiOS. Oh, okay, should be good. Do uh, I need to see Justice League before I see Aquaman? It it kind of stands alone. You don't really have to have seen yeah. Justice League. Although Justice League, if you have any of the uh, premium channels, it's probably available to you on demand anyway. Yeah. I kind of want to see it, but you know, I didn't when it came to the theater. Uh, well, last at one point last year. We got free HBO for a month, and I managed to squeeze in Suicide Squad and. Uh, that may be my least favorite. Yeah. Um, so that that yeah, I didn't like it that much, but I didn't hate it either. Uh, I also didn't hate the Fantastic Four movies that everyone seems to hate. The first like two, a- the first two I liked. I thought they were fine. I didn't care for Doctor Doom, but otherwise I thought they were fine. The most recent one I thought was almost unwatchable mm-hmm yeah no that one didn't bother me too much but then again i i always go in with low expectations i find that when i go in for low expectations for a comic book movie i'll like it better that definitely helps it, it's if your expectations get too high it's too easy to be disappointed yeah i mean that's the way i went into the fantastic first fantastic four movie and the way I went into the first Spider-Man movie, which I also... I, I like all the Spider-Man movies. I especially like the most recent one. Yes, I agree with you on that as well. I think I think we have uh, very similar tastes as far as these movies and TV shows go. Yep, there you go. Well, I'm not going to keep you uh, much longer. I just want to let you know it's been a pleasure talking to you. I want to thank you for making the time to talk to me, and I look forward to talking to you again in the not-too-distant future. Yeah, we're going to do a, a like a an actual kind of a formatted show there. That'll be fun. It, it absolutely will, and I really appreciate the fact that you're willing to. Yeah, no, that's fine. I, I, I can break down and read a comic book and talk about it. That's, that's not going to hurt me. <laughs> do you, I mean, do you find yourself, before we say goodbye, do you find yourself reading old books now or not really? Uh, well, at times, at times. Um, uh, Marvel would come out. When they came out with that Spider-Man omnibus a couple of years ago, and that's my favorite thing, I read that and I just loved it. Um, I also, yeah, another thing I really love is not superheroes, but it's Mary Perkins on stage. I don't know if you've ever read that. No, that one I haven't. That you know, that's a, a newspaper strip, mm-hmm. and they a couple of years ago they put out like 19 volumes. It's it's really great. It's really great, and I like kids comics too. I like my old Little Lulu comics and some of the Dennis the Menace reprints they've come out with. And then a couple of years ago, they came out with those monster omnibuses of all the Kirby monster stories, which are fun. But I, I kept thinking, I want the Ditko stuff. Well, now I'm finally going to get that. That's going to be uh, a very exciting thing for me. Yeah, that's but great. But yeah, the old comics. You know, I, I, I watch the, the shows at night and at day, and the day I'm drawing the, the cards and stuff. So even though... I'm not really reading the comics. They're always here, these characters. They're always with me. Yeah. Yep. I agree. And, you know, unfortunately, I have to do a job during the day. And then, you know, I I fill a lot of time with this hobby at night and watching movies and TV shows. And there's just so much entertainment to be had and only so many hours to to have it in. I know. It's it's like, oh, God. (sighs) I don't know how people... I I wish I could read, like, uh, super fast, but I can't. So, I, I look back best. to the days of high school and college and the free time I had to read then, and I, uh, I, I, I just think that you know I wish I had that again. In the early days of the comics, I read them over and over and over. I read every single one I get. But man, you know, I stopped reading comics uh, really several years after I stopped buying them. I mean, no, I mean I stopped reading them before I stopped buying them. If you know what I mean. And mm-hmm. like piles of books I never quite got around to from the 90s and 2000s. And it's like, oh, I wish I could go back and say, I don't think I'll buy those, but... Oh, well. It's <laughs> amazing, though, that for someone who, when I was growing up, and, you know, people would like, 
comic books. What are you? That's that's junk. What are you talking about? And now this on everything TV show. Everybody knows the Avengers. People are talking. I turn on the TV and, and, and you know celebrities are saying Wakanda. I was there when Wakanda was the first you know the first issue of the Black Panther. But I'd be in like a late night talk show host making Wakanda jokes. Yeah, really. Well, it's it's become it's become socially acceptable where we used to be having to uh, kind of hide our faces. Exactly. Exactly. So well, I, I, yeah. I have to, we have to we have to enjoy this golden age because who knows if it'll fade. Ex- yep. Trying my best. Well, once again, I, I appreciate the time, Fred. This has been uh, an absolute pleasure talking to you. Thank you, Paul. I appreciate. It. I'm sorry it took me a while to actually get this, you know, uh, scheduled, but it's been kind of nutty lately. But here we are, and we did it, and that's great. And it's much, much appreciated. And I look forward again to the next time we get a chance to speak. And uh, I wish you well until then. And and you as well, Paul. Thanks a lot. Take care of yourself. Good night now. Thank you so much for listening to our show, and we hope you'll continue to join us each and every week for more good old-fashioned comic book back-issue awesomeness. You can contact Back to the Bins to leave feedback, comments, questions, suggestions, and criticisms via email at bins at twotruefreaks.com or by joining the Back to the Bins group on Facebook. Back to the Bins is a proud affiliate of the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network, which you may find at www.twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is a registered trademark of DiManzo Corps of Milan, Italy. All rights reserved. Please take a moment to stop by the twotruefreaks.com site and check out their many other fine podcasts, won't you? Thanks, and we'll see you next week.